Hello and welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the Video Game Book Club podcast. Today we're discussing Rise of the Tomb Raider. I'm your host Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. First up, we got Dante. What's good? Last but not least, we got the homie Greg. What's going on? What's up? Um, and wow. we also have a special guest. We got the brother Trevor. <laughs> Last but not least, me. <laughs> last and least you okay so um this is uh dante's game for the month of february we're we're a little behind but uh we're, we'll, we'll get it right but uh i'm gonna kick it to him so he can introduce the game all righty um sorry i'm okay i wanted to make sure everything was up so okay we are also live on twitch just anybody who um who is joining us you can Watch us do this live on Twitch. Just want to make sure that was running. All right. So our game, as Marcus already said, is Rise of the Tomb Raider. Rise of the Tomb Raider is a third-person action game developed by Crystal Dynamics and published by Square Enix. The game was first released on the Xbox One on November 10th, 2015, and released on the PC and PlayStation shortly thereafter. I think PC was about two months after, and then PlayStation was, I think, just under a year after. So um, this game in specific is often touted as the 20th anniversary of the franchise. Rise of the Tomb Raider, it's the second game in the reboot trilogy, which um, it was preceded by Tomb Raider 2013. Development began shortly after that one came out, and... This one, due to feedback from the first game, um, reduced the number of QTEs, increased um, the number of puzzles, at least optional puzzles, and also introduced a couple more elements, like there's these pseudo-open-world spaces that the previous game had like one or two of those, but I think this one has a little bit bigger spaces for those. And um, this game's announcement was kind of marred in controversy, so it kind of had a rough going, like, just out the gate. Because when it was revealed during E3 2014, it was announced that it would be a timed exclusive for Xbox. And this was, like, at the peak of just everybody was kind of against Xbox because they, I mean, they didn't go through with the always online DRM, but it was that and the kind of high price point versus the PlayStation that it was competing against. So people were very unhappy that this was a time exclusive, especially because the previous one was not. Um, But despite that, the game overall did very well, despite what Square Enix might tell you about its sales. (laughs) Um, Square Enix has a little bit of a history of saying, like, a lot of their games have disappointing sales, but overall this game sold over, or it, it has sold nearly 12 million copies to this day. And it was also, um what's it called, reviewed pretty favorably overall and has a Metacritic average of around 88%. So um, the game story, it takes place in modern day. Um, A majority of it takes place in um, Siberia. Laura's on a quest to continue her father's research into um, essentially immortality, and that leads her to the city of Katesh, And the opening scene has Laura and her friend Jonah from the previous game 
climbing the side of a frozen mountain. At the top, um, Laura is able to see the lost city of Katesh, but pretty much right when she gets to the top, this storm that they've been fighting finally kind of takes them over, and her and Jonah get stranded from one another. And from there, there's a flashback where we see kind of like the motivation for Laura, like climbing the mountain and stuff. So pretty much she um, looks into her father's research and um, he has this thing about a divine source, which is supposed to lead to immortality. And while she's there, she's approached by Anna, her father's ex-lover, right before he was, um, um, before he committed suicide. And she brings Laura a newspaper saying that, hey, um, pretty much like, hey, your father's crazy. You're crazy for following in his footsteps. And Laura, just being who she is, is like, nah, I'm going to go and pretty much clean up both of our names. So that pretty much leads into the actual game part of the game. So before we go any further into like story or anything like that, I did want to check with everybody to see... Does anybody have a history with Crystal Dynamics or Tomb Raider in general? Um, I, this is the first Tomb Raider game that I've um, played. I didn't really have any interest, high key, in any of the um, uh, other Tomb Raider games. Like, uh, I I know they're like I don't want to say well regarded, but like people aren't fond of them. Um, and I, I like think the they're memes. pretty, huh? I think they're pretty well regarded. Like, well, I, 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 say I didn't know. I didn't know if people actually enjoyed. Like, sometimes I have this thing where if it's a, like Tomb Raider was a PlayStation exclusive series, and sometimes I don't know if a game is well regarded because it's good or if it's well regarded because a lot of people played it, or mm-hmm. or you know, like look back up fondly. So, like, I the only thing I know about Tomb Raider was seeing a lot of people do the cosplay where they put, like, a box underneath their shirt to mimic, like, her boobs. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That, like, angular look. Yeah, the, the polygonal, I, I guess. Yeah, know. yeah. So, like, that's all I really knew about Tomb Raider. I I did remember, I did watch the movie, the, the first movie with Angelina Jolie, but I don't remember anything about it. Um, I will just, the small, I guess correction of sorts so the first three were on playstation and pc but i think after that pretty much it was playstation and xbox so sure, sure. this is the ninth if i remember this is the ninth installment technically speaking like from the main line i also it, have a correction i don't know if anybody's listening to this but the entire time you were saying laura croft mm-hmm. and it's lara <laughs> oh no <laughs> um but yeah, other than that, uh, um, I don't have any affinity or any any past experience with this uh, game series. And I was looking at the I'm looking at this Crystal Dynamics games, and I don't even I don't really know if I've ever played any of these games. I'd have to look at what else they they made. They made um, Samurai Showdown, which I never played. Legacy of Cain. Is, uh, oh yeah, I did play. Okay, I played that. They played. They made the Gex series. Um, yeah, I played. I played a couple of those. Soul Reaver two, Blood Omen two. Yeah. Okay, um, well, I played a lot of that stuff. Then yeah. <clears throat> I, I actually, I think I, I 
have that one of the Laura Croft, Lara Croft, um, games, like either Temple of Osiris or Guardian of the Light, but I've never like started it. I, the Avengers um, game in Perfect Dark is coming out. They're making that. You said what's coming out? The Perfect, they're coming, they're the ones, uh, working on the Perfect Dark game. Wait, no, well, they might be collaborating, the, but that's... It says Microsoft. it's an upcoming... It says Perfect Dark is an upcoming video game that is in development by the Initiative and Crystal Dynamics. It's published by Xbox Game Studios for... Okay, that's right, because Initiative is, like, the new studio that Microsoft is, like, claiming is going to be their quadruple-A studio or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then it was recently announced that Crystal Dynamics is going to partner with them, so... Yeah. I do remember that. You're right. Um, what else did they do? Mad Dash Racing. Anybody remember Mad Dash Racing for the original Xbox? With the Warthog and you're all running on uh, foot? I just looked at this box art. I don't even... This doesn't even... I've seen this box that. art, but I don't even know what the gameplay looks like. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it wasn't a great game, but it, it is one of the more notable ones. I think that was a launch title for the original Xbox. Could be wrong. November 14. Yep, yep, launch title. Mm. Yeah. And I guess they're more recently in the news for Marvel's Avengers, which did not set the world on fire for a number of reasons. It seems like it's an ongoing theme. So, um, Trevor, Greg, did you guys have any history? Well, I know Greg already spoke to his a little bit. Yeah, yeah I um. Uh, oh, okay. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, so as far as Tomb Raider games, I think I maybe played like the first one on PlayStation, and mm. I think I just kind of I I kind of checked out after that, and then uh, whenever they started bringing them back out on uh, Xbox 360s, I think it was Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider Legends, I played that, and I played Anniversary, and then I think I also played, so pretty much everything after, um, all all the main games after, uh, Tomb Raider Legend I played, um, Mm. so yeah, I guess I played most of the recent ones, but yeah, not, not a lot of the, uh, the older ones. I haven't played any of the old ones, I played, I know, the first Rise of the Tomb Raider, or I guess just Tomb Raider, was um, free on Twitch one time. So I just got it, and then eventually I ended up playing it when I started working from home, like around COVID happened. And I really enjoyed that. So when uh, Marcus told me about you guys doing the Rise of the Tomb Raider, I thought it was the one I already played, but I, w- I liked it so much I wouldn't have mind replaying it. But then I realized, oh, I didn't have it in my library, so I, I bought it, and yeah. I enjoyed this one too. Turns out that um, Epic <clears throat> actually offered the entire reboot trilogy, I'd like to say, in January, yeah. just for free. Although oh. some goobers did not download them and had to use my Steam thing and then had to <laughs> call me so they could finish the game. Look, can I tell you something? <laughs> you kicked me off the game like six or seven times and I never said anything. That was the last straw. <laughs> you know... It gives me a notification when I do it, and I did not care. I, I mean, honestly, I did. I felt weird being like, 
Yo, Dante, can you stop playing your Steam games so I can keep playing your Steam games? It felt weird doing that. It it would have been one thing if I did not post a literal link to all three games being free. I was like, nah, I I can't let them get away with this one. I cannot. That was the Epic Games Store, though, right? It was Epic Games. Yeah, I, I, I made a pact with myself that I was like, I'm only gonna be... Because I have a problem with Steam, and uh, I, I keep buying games and not playing them, I was like, I'm only going to have one outlet or one area where I'm buying games, because if I get Epic Game Store, it's going to be a problem. So, it's my I way mean, of keeping myself in check. They're the same games for the most part on both of them, it's just, you know. <sighs> anyway, anyway, I digress, I digress. Um, let's see... Lost my notes real quick. Okay, here we go. Um, what did everybody play on? PC? Yeah, I played on a computer, yeah. and I used a keyboard and mouse as well. Oh, okay. I used controller, but I think everybody did PC. Yeah. Yep. Cool, cool. All right, so um, I guess let's go into just the very, very introduction of story, and then we'll jump into gameplay. So, um, like I said before, there's a little introduction sequence where you're climbing on the side of the mountain, and it kind of works as a tutorial. You kind of get the um, climbing mechanics and a couple of the, I guess, pitfalls that you might run into. So you learn your QTEs pretty much. Like if you jump to something, you might have to hit X to, I guess, strengthen Laura's grip or whatever. And you get to the top of the mountain, um... You get that little story beat of like why she's on this quest. She ends up in Serbia. And um, essentially, or not Siberia. And um, she's kind of like lost and cold and confused. And it's your like first task to pretty much like put together a fire. And you learn, okay, well, I can... One, gather resources, and then two, I can also hunt animals. So, I guess, what was everybody's first impression just jumping into this game? Because I know a lot of people don't have a history with the series. So, how did you feel just starting out from that opening sequence to about where you, you know, start your first fire and whatnot? I I thought that it was going to be way more freeform and, like... I don't want to say Assassin's Creedy, but Assassin's Creedy as far as like climbing and, and everything. Um, I knew that you know in the very beginning you had um, uh, when you're on that mountain with what's his name jo- Jonas mm. and everything. Like I knew that you had like your specific route you had to go to like trigger the different events and everything. But I was like, this could be really cool. Like um, you know, like climbing mountains and stuff, and like kind of go, go on my own path. That was before you learn about the clicking in the right thumbstick to kind of see stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was cool. And uh, once we got into like the, for lack of a better word, open world stuff for like the more like collecting materials and whatnot, that's when I was like, Oh, yo, I'm in, I'm in here. Uh, just, just surviving out in the wilderness, you know, chopping some trees down and, you know, skinning some rabbits for their pelts. Like th- th- I can do this. I like this. Yeah, I kind of felt like um, at first I thought it was a little bit like kind of they guided you 
and there wasn't going to be as much free roam as there was. But like you said, once you start playing and you start exploring more of the map, it did feel more of a open world type. Obviously, there was some limitations to that, but it, it was more open than I was expecting for 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 this type of game. Yeah, I kind of agree with everybody else on this. I guess, I mean, I had played, um, I guess, the previous Tomb Raider, but this definitely is like a little bit more uh, open, I guess, at this point. But, um, but yeah, I, I kind of, I was kind of digging it at this point. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, did you guys like the, I guess, linear sequence that led up to the open world or the open area, or were you guys more of a fan of? Um, you know, once you got to that open space and kind of could, you know, move around and explore a little bit. Anybody? You mean like the way it progressed? Well, I'm talking about how when you climb the mountain, it's very linear. So it's like you don't have much of a choice in your path. But once it opens up to that, like, first area, it's like, okay, well, I can just kind of explore and do my hunting. I can um, climb on these trees and I don't really have a set path so to speak. I, I like that because you don't have to, you can play the game how you want to play, you can choose. Um, mm. There's just, I would always run into having to re-explore stuff um, because, you know, you don't have every all the equipment unlocked. So I was like, oh dang, I wonder what I'm going to need to get this. And I, there was times where I would waste my resources thinking I, I had, I could <laughs> break down a wall or something with, with what I had, but uh, I had to, oh, had yeah. to wait. Um, but so that was like my only, that's not like it's like, like an issue. It's just like, that would get me a little frustrated. I was like, oh dang, I, I don't want, I, I don't got to remember where I came because I want to see what's back there. You know, that was, that mm-hmm. was a, but, but I like being able to, to go wherever I wanted to go for sure. I like those type of, I like being able to do that in games. Cool. Cool. And it's not too long after this where, um, Trinity, which is kind of like, I guess you could call them the ongoing protagonist of the reboot series. Kind of like invade your space and you're like, well, now I got to take some people down. So I think at this point you just have your um, pickaxe and the bow. And they kind of go over some of the mechanics. So like the game's kind of split into, I'd say, two major gameplay modules where... You have your puzzle stuff that you do, puzzle slash adventure stuff, and then you also have combat sequences. So we kind of have our first taste of the combat sequence right here where um, you can pretty much hide in bushes. You can climb trees to take people down. You can just take a direct approach and just, you know, go run and gun if you want. But what do you guys think about you know, the bow and did you guys try more stealthy approaches or did you just kind of go bow blazing, so to speak? Uh, early on, I pretty much tried to stay pretty stealthy. Um, like once you get more weapons, uh, I get a little bit more loose, but I still prefer like the stealth options and just kind of running and gunning. I mostly did stealth um i really liked using the bow <laughs> like i really liked using the bow um it was different it's different than a lot of games that i play so i definitely wanted to take advantage of it and uh 
it also, you know, allowed me to be more stealthy and then it had a lot more of the most interesting combat uh, mechanics added to it, I felt like, too. So, I, I would say 85% of the game I used the bow. Also, yeah. aren't you, like, kind of more incentivized to do that because you get more XP uh, with stealth kills versus just kind of shooting people? Well, um, I think you can... So I used bow most of the time. I was I was always trying to stealth, but I didn't like hide in bushes and stuff. I would just I, I, there was like some perks you could level where you didn't really have to hide as much. It was easier to stay in stealth. But I um the pistol if you, I use because I use a pistol a lot too. Um, but if you put the silencer on it, it counts as stealth kills. And I was always going for headshots because then you get the multiplier for XP. I kind of just like yeah. tried to level up as, as fast as possible and made sure like all the kills and stuff i got get the the perks and everything i got would i would generate as much xp as possible yep so that's another mechanic um pretty much anytime you find a campfire which is just a kind of reoccurring thing that you find across the map you rest there and you have the option of upgrading your skills and your weapons the skills are determined by your xp which you get by taking down enemies also exploring um, just tombs and collecting coin caches across the world. Upgrades for weapons, you can find some of them out in the wild, so you might need to get like four gun parts to unlock a certain gun. But then you also, on top of that, have to collect components or, you know, like pieces of scrap to craft um, different items and whatnot so it's just another mechanic that's just adds a little bit of flavor to the game um how do you guys feel about just the i guess progression between leveling and you know upgrading your gear and whatnot i you had i was gonna say i was just i was surprised at how much it was uh, like how many different things i could level i, I, I kind of took me back and i kind of felt like oh dang i do i need to look at all it's this a little stuff. overwhelming isn't it yeah, yeah yeah i was i was really surprised and i wanted to make try to get as best the best stuff i could as possible but then like some of the stuff i felt like it didn't even matter because i wasn't going to use them <laughs> like i didn't really use a shotgun that much um so i didn't really and i and i was just using the bow so i just like i said i started off with the survival stuff to get my xp stuff up mo- mostly so i could level fast and uh, get more perks quicker. And then I was just doing everything for the bow and the pistol. Mainly, for, that was like the first thing I did. And then I was always like the the. I, on top of that, you have to you choose your outfit you use, and like the outfits have stuff too. And there was like sixteen different pieces of gear to wear. I was like, oh shoot, this is. <laughs> yep. And then you also have the um, I guess ammo pouches or the I forget what the specific menu item is, but essentially. The same stuff you're using to upgrade your guns, you can upgrade like ammo capacity and <clears throat> stuff like that. So yeah, I felt like I never had enough uh, resources, so I could never get the stuff that I or level up those stuff I wanted to when I when I wanted to. It was because there was mm-hmm. just so much stuff that you could level. Well, I leveled up everything, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, my... I did eventually, but it's just you know, at first yeah. it's just like, dang, this is. This game's probably going to take a long time to beat, it so seems I, like. <laughs> I wonder um, what... I'm guessing everybody played on normal? Or you guys yeah. did? Yeah. Um, whatever the second 
the highest one was. Hmm. Okay, I played on Survivor, which um, kind of limits your resources a little bit more. So I definitely didn't upgrade everything. I didn't have the... I wasn't even close to it, so it's just interesting hearing um, how different that was, potentially. But I'm looking um, now. I think I did... Um... So I think it was adventure was the easiest. It goes. This is from easiest to most difficult. So it was adventure, tomb raider, season raider, survivor, extreme survivor. So I played on the second lowest difficulty. I guess I played on tomb raider. That's normal. The okay, two that's the survivor and extreme um, survivor actually got added with the. I'd like to say twentieth anniversary edition of the game. I was reading because I was trying to figure out which difficulty. I should do since I've I've played through this game once. Everybody else, it was their first time. So, um, uh, actually, I played through it already. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I beat this like whenever it first came out. Hmm. Would you play on a harder difficulty then? Nah, nah. That's not left an impression. Yikes. <laughs> um. Yeah, I can't remember the specifics about what Survivor does versus like hard. I think it's just like more limited resources. I know the difference between Survivor and Extreme Survivor is that the game only saves once you rest at a campsite. And I'm like, yeah. So, so um, I'm, I have the differences up, and um, it says that. Um, so for seasoned raider, uh, health regen is only available outside of combat. And then so for Survivor, there is no health regen. Um, Obviously, enemies, as you go up in difficulty, increase senses, increase health and damage. Um, It says for Survivor, there's more more difficult enemies will be present. There are fewer resources and upgrades are more expensive. And it says campsites use resources at the first time. Yeah, so a lot of the time you have to have three wood. To like start the fire? Exactly, and it sounds trivial, and it eventually becomes trivial, but those first couple where I was like, man, I only have four wood. Do I do I like this fire, or do I not? <laughs> so, I'd rather, really... like, that be the issue, where do I got an, do I have enough wood, or um, do I have enough typewriter ribbons from a previous game we played? <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So, I guess moving on just a little bit, um, shortly after you fight your first mob of enemies, um, you end up fighting this giant bear in a cave, which I thought that was a really interesting moment because you see the bear and eventually, like the first time you run to the bear, the bear kind of like, I mean, you're kind of shook. You run away from the bear and you're like, I'm going to have to get stronger if I want to beat this thing. So at that point, Laura's like, well, there's some mushrooms over here. What if I made um, poison arrows and then I fight this thing? So it was kind of showing you, okay, she has a bow, but this bow is kind of like utilitarian. And it ends up doing a lot of stuff by the end of the game. It's kind of a, what's it called? Um, Pocket knife. Yeah, it's it's like an omni wrench type of bow where it's just like, okay, I can make explosive arrows i can make fire arrows i can shoot arrows into walls and jump on them you know by the end of it so 
I just thought I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so let's see. I think not too long after this, you find your first tomb, and tombs are. I think every single tomb in this game is entirely optional, but it's a puzzle-oriented spot on the map. You solve a puzzle, or you have to get through some type of challenge of some sort, and typically speaking, you unlock a skill or a weapon after you get done. And it's interesting how they do it, because a lot of, you know, action-adventure games, you know, they don't make puzzles optional. It's like, well, if if you're playing through this game, you're going to do these puzzles. But here... They know, like, some people are only into action games and might not want to do puzzles, so they make them entirely optional. How did you guys feel about that approach to things? Did you like it? Would you have preferred they just be baked into the main path? Did you think the puzzles were good? Um, I didn't do as many as I did in my original playthrough, but that was, I mean, that was my one of my favorite things from the, I guess, the the first Tomb Raider, well, I guess the first, uh, I guess, previous gen, current gen, whatever we want to call it, uh, the first of this trilogy, that was like one of my favorite things about it was just the, the, uh, the tombs. So, um, yeah, I mean, I appreciated it. I mean, it was kind of like a nice diversion. It kind of gives you more of an incentive to kind of dig around a little bit and try and explore the environment. Um, so yeah, I like them. I mean, I, they still do give you a few, uh, I guess they don't give you tombs, but, um, you know, there's still a fair amount of puzzles, I think just through the game itself, but yeah, for sure. If you kind of got that itch, you know, that definitely scratches it. I think I'm going to be doing the tombs regardless. That's one of my favorite things about the game. And also, I mean, yeah, you get, you do a tomb and then you get a piece of a weapon. And so like, yeah, I like, I like going for the rewards and, Find the stuff. I, I when I when I get these types of games, I like to search around to find like this hidden stuff and secret stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just just something that I'm just gonna do, just regardless of whether or not they make it um, necessary or not. I, I I liked them. I I did all of them, and it's they were fun. But they I don't want to say they got repetitive because each one was different, but they all had the same formula where it was like do this thing to do this other thing and then you're done and like i i kind of wish they were longer or like there was like more variation amongst them it was i felt like all of them were like they're all kind of bite size yeah it it felt Mm -hmm. like every single one of them was two-part thing and then you you completed it and i and i wish that there was one that was way more elaborate or or something like that And, and maybe they did that with dlc I have no idea, but um, I just kind of wish there was more variations in the types, not the types of tasks, but the amount of tasks that you had to do to complete them. Okay. For me, I definitely enjoyed the tombs um, quite a bit. I think they're one of the best aspects of the game. Mm -hmm. It's also very interesting to see how this series progressed over time. So, like... The original one, people complained that there weren't enough, which I think there's still a pretty good amount. There's probably about, I'd say, 10 to 12, maybe 10 to 15 tombs in that one. And this one has a really good balance, in my opinion. 
And then Shadow just seems the most um, kind of puzzle-heavy of the three. And to me, it first personally felt off. Shadow is the third game in the series. So, <clears throat> um, the one thing I like about the tombs is that even though you're progressing and you're getting a whole bunch of unlocks, I think they do a good job of making sure you're still using your old skills, even though you keep learning and getting new skills or moves that you can use throughout the game. I think they did a good job of uh, you making sure you utilize them, all of the tools you have available. Hmm. Even at the later tombs. Yeah, they do a good job of just kind of incorporating all of Floor's to, um, tool set, sorry. And nothing really becomes redundant, so to speak. You know? Like, I feel like when you play a Zelda game, or at least, like, the traditional <laughs> Zelda before Breath of the Wild, like, a lot of times you get to a dungeon and it's like, okay, well, this dungeon is the dungeon where I get the bow and all the puzzles involve the bow, or this is the one where I have the, um, I don't know, like, boomerang, and now it's not even me trying to figure out what the solution to the puzzle is, per se. It's like, it's just me trying to figure out how can I use the boomerang in this specific situation where I feel like this game does a really good job of just genuinely having, like, puzzles, so to speak. Highly contested word on this podcast. <laughs> so you just... Where where would you put this one? Not necessarily in the overall game, but as far as the puzzles amongst the series... Um, I'd say they're pretty strong. Like, I honestly don't remember too many of the, like, if you asked me which game had which puzzle, I couldn't tell you. Like, they're not memorable in that regard. But in the moment, I did find pretty much all of them, like, somewhat enjoyable. Some of them are a little frustrating at times when it's just something really, like, minute that you're missing about what they're trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one I had in mind about that. Which one? Mm-hmm. The stupid one with the, the the boats, and you had to shoot the rope and to, yeah. te- to tether the boat to the, oh, uh, the river, thing. The so yeah, yeah. To describe what he's the puzzle he's talking about, essentially, Laura gets to this area and it's like right on the side of a waterfall, and there's a little whirlpool around an island, and you have a boat right in front of you. Laura's bow has the ability to tether, I guess the boat to a post kind of on the island, but you have to figure out like, okay, I got to reel it in, in this certain angle. So it gets there. Then I jump off on the island. Then there's another boat over here and I have to shoot the bow and reel it in and hopefully like get it right at the, you know, I have to cut the rope at a certain time. So it has a little bit of momentum to go this way, but I have to do it fast, or otherwise I'm going to fall over this cliff. <laughs> so, Trevor, what part of that like kind of messed you up? So there was like, um, I just, I just remember I would hit tether it, and like the the animation for her uh, pulling closer to the one to the to the to the one you needed to go to to jump up on the wall on the wall and not sink. It would she wouldn't pull it fast enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I would, I kept dying. Uh, and I, I just, it, I can't remember. It took me just forever to get that part because I was like, this makes no sense. I should not be, uh, she, she should be able to pull this. Like she would yank the boat and it just, and the boat would like act like it was going to go. And then it just wouldn't. And then I would die. 
And I was like, yeah, there seems like to be plenty of time for this, but it just it just wasn't plenty of time, I guess. That I one was you. the most frustrating. That one took me the longest uh, out of all the puzzles when I feel like it shouldn't have because it just seems so... I I knew exactly what I needed to do. I just <laughs> couldn't execute. <laughs> uh, it happens. Um, I'm trying to think about a puzzle that it wasn't even a tomb, but it's close to the end of the game where you're. Um, it's like the planetarium. It's not really a planetarium, but you know the place with all the planets, and you have to climb oh. up this thing. And For whatever reason, exactly like. I feel like I was nailing those jumps, but the game just disagreed with me time and time again. So that was a little frustrating. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I, I I think I got lucky with that one. I was surprised, I because I felt like I didn't hit the jump, but then like it kind of just like gave it to you. me onto it. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Um, so I did want to backtrack a little bit on the story. I'm trying to do a little bit of story in between some of the parts we're talking about. So, during the flashback that happens kind of early in the game, it shows, um, essentially, like, Laura goes to a tomb, and it ends up being empty. And I guess that's where she was trying to, like, I think that's where she initially thought she'd find, like, the Divine Source or whatever. And she ends up getting ambushed by um, Trinity. And... Not too long after that, Laura and Jacob, her friend, are at Jonah. Sorry, there's two J's, and I got to remember which is which. Um, Jonah, they're at the Croft Manor, and Laura's doing like some research, and a Trinity agent kind of like breaks in while they're doing all that stuff and steals the book they're looking at, and that sets off the trip to Siberia. And why that's important is it just kind of sets up like, okay, Trinity is this big bad agency that we're dealing with and they're also kind of part of the reason we're in Siberia right now. Um so at this point we're kind of past the initial opening sequence of the game and like one of the last things that happens in the I'd say first phrase of the game, Laura gets captured by Trinity and she's sat down in a chair and across from her is Anna, who is her, you know, deceased father's essentially ex. And Anna's, like, you know, bound and gagged and all this stuff. And she's telling Laura, like, hey, these people really need to know about the divine source. Can you just give them anything, please? They're going to kill us both if you don't, you know, speak right now. And then Laura's like, "I, yo, I just do not know anything. And then... Anna's pretty much does her like, oh, I'm just going to do my complete heel turn right here. And she's like, oh, she doesn't know anything. She's useless. So it's revealed that Anna, your, you know, father's ex, is actually with Trinity. And Constantine, who is like the Trinity leader, is like her new... I don't know if they're lovers or was that her... Did you guys... They're, they're siblings. It... I know they're siblings, but it also felt like there was a little bit of a love thing going on with them, which I don't know if I... Uh, it was weird. So, very weird. But, anyway. Essentially, Laura, like, they put her in jail. And in jail, she meets a guy named Jacob, who becomes important later. And um, 
essentially they they jailbreak together and you find out that Jacob is the leader of the local inhabitants so that brings you to the um, geothermal valley which is kind of like the second big open area did you guys um well I already know Marcus explored quite a bit what do you think about like the second big open space and how did you think about like We'll also go into characters a little bit. What are your feelings on Laura? I have a couple notes. So Laura's voiced by um, Camila Luddington. And as far as her traits go, she's pretty impulsive. She's very obsessive about her father's research. And that's kind of a recurring theme between the first game, this one, and the third one. She's just very, like, obsessive about certain things. And she's also very reliable to her friends, even though, like... Her friends normally give her very good advice and she decides not to follow it. But when pinch comes to shove or push comes to shove, she's always there for him. So what do you guys think of like Laura and Jacob and Jonah? Are you guys kind of like digging the plot at this point or are you guys digging the characters? Well, I think um, what we had solved Jonah at this point, I know he was on like, um, like he was like gone for a majority of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, like what I had saw from the beginning, like I like this character. It just seems like, like if it were like a movie, it seems like one of those characters. It's not like the main role, but it's just a character, that, a role that you like. And then he's kind like of a, the straight man to Laura, you know, like, hey, Laura, yeah. you 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 might not want to do this. This this seems like a terrible <laughs> idea, Laura. <laughs> yeah, he's he's getting the six man of the year award um, from the NBA. That so that that's how I feel about him. No, he's a towel waver. He's not even getting any play time. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, but you're right. But I like him though. That's why that's why I gave him that. Oh, I wrote in my notes. I didn't take many notes playing this game, but I put poor Jonah. He wants him some Laura bad. He just seems like he's in the friend zone to me. Yeah, he does. I mean, he did go out and rescue her, you know. You I know. mean, like, he shows up to the, her house, her apartment, said, Laura! All these, yeah, he just always seemed like he was, like, one of those dudes, like, I'm a, I'm, I'm available, I'm ready whenever you are. <laughs> He's a little bit of a simp. He's a bit of a simp. <laughs> he takes out all those guys without any weapon. Like, oh, man, we're going to get into that scene later, but Jonah's a, Jonah's a cool guy. He's, He's a good dude. He just, you know, Laura... Laura, it, it, it's just, it's Laura, not Jonah. It's it's Laura. It, yeah, yeah. She doesn't see she doesn't see the king she has in front of him. Is what you're saying? What I'm saying is Laura, Laura is like one step away from making a billion bad decisions in her life, and it just feels like this dude is right there, just being like, "Yo, um, how about instead of doing this, why why don't we just go hey, over uh, here? You should leave this. You should leave this." Uh, you know, adventuring life and like, like settle down, you know, if there's any good guys in your life, um, you know, you should think about, you know, giving them a chance again, you know? I don't even think it's that. I just don't think he, he just doesn't want Laura to get killed. And Laura is always like two seconds away from being killed. I'm just like, imagine what this, like, what is this guy doing in his everyday life that's not involved thinking about Laura? Chilling, man. Like that is dude could do anything. Is he chilling and not thinking about Laura. I, that's that's the thing. <laughs> well, Laura requires a lot of attention. Exactly, and he <laughs> wants to be the one to give it to her for the rest of their lives. <laughs> oh, fair, fair. Yeah, I, some people like. I guess one of the things about the reboot trilogy um, that people are 
very opinionated on is the depiction of Laura Croft. So in the previous like OG trilogy, so to speak, and all the games leading up to the reboot series, Laura was always like she was already the Tomb Raider. She was just she was that dude or that girl in this case. And this time, like with the reboot, it led up to her transformation into the Tomb Raider. So like in the first game, she had never even like killed an animal or something. And that's like a big scene where she has to like hunt a deer and like, you know, skin it. And she's like emotional about it. And granted, that transformation happens really fast. Like she goes from killing a deer to like maybe 20 minutes later, just like stabbing a dude through his throat and just other crazy stuff. So she does have that transformation here, but some people aren't a fan of her just not being that kind of empowered version of herself right from the start. And then I think most of that's resolved by this game, but the thing that people also don't like about, I guess, reboot series Laura is she's very obsessive in certain ways about certain things where I guess like she was just, I guess the old Tomb Raiders didn't really have that much of a plot, capital P plot to them. So it's just like, oh, well, I'm here and I'm going to get this treasure and I'm going to, you know, be about my way. But I think what Crystal Dynamic tried to do here was kind of give her more of like a kind of like inner motive, so to speak, just like, hey, I have things going on, even though I say it's about the treasure. It's not really about this immortality thing. It's about just proving myself as a you know, human being and stuff. So there's a lot of people that weren't really feeling that, so so to speak, as much. So did you guys have any thoughts on Laura as a character? Um, did you like her? Did you, at this point in the game, I know she changes a little bit as we go on, but not everybody I didn't hate wants. her, but I wasn't, like, super attached to her. Like, she, she like you said, of- oh, yeah. yeah. No, like you say, like where where she's like possessive and stuff. Like, yeah, and sometimes I didn't like her responses that they like that she would give. I can't give like an example, but I just remember her kind of sometimes feeling like she was a little condescending. Um, and... She's definitely like a loner type of person when it comes down to it, where she's like, "Oh no, I I really don't want your help. I just let me do it. This is my burden. Just yeah, be on your yeah, way. Definitely." But it's like, you definitely need some help. You're getting bodied in these cutscenes. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually interesting that you mentioned her getting like bodied and stuff. So one of the other kind of controversial things about the original reboot game was the level of violence that that game had. So it was, it, it was pretty rough. Like, you'd be like going downstream because she just got caught by a current and then there would just be all this rhubarb and then she would literally just get impaled by the neck or rhubarb, like rhubarb the fr- the vegetable or the is fruit it's a rebar you know what i'm oh, talking about okay. like the, I was like she got stabbed You're right it, it is rebar but <laughs> <laughs> rhubarb would be a lot funnier yeah um but anyway like yeah she'd get like impaled through the throat she'd get like crushed in certain sequences like a lot of the death stuff that would happen was just like ultra violent in some cases and then you could also unlock like finishers for your guns and i think this game has those too but i'm pretty sure they got toned down where like 
one of the finishers specifically for the assault rifle, you she would just like literally put the barrel at their chest and you just hear and she just go up all the way through their head. That's tough. Yeah, so that so they tone down this game quite a bit, even though this game does have its fair share of violence. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah. Um, I was just curious how everybody was feeling about Laura because she is um kind of an important character. Overall, I I do like this depiction of her. Like, I definitely get that some people, especially if they were like invested in the old trilogy, where they could have problems with it. But I I think she's an okay character. I don't think the plot overall is like a great plot or anything like that. But I think they do a good job of like kind of evolving her over the three games. Oh man, I had one more point I wanted to bring up about. Um, how did you guys feel about the, I guess, tone and just like, did you expect it to be more campy? Did you expect something more serious? Or going in, was this about the level you expected from a Tomb Raider? Yeah, I don't think it really. I guess it was kind of in line with what I expected, I guess. I think this is. Pretty self serious. Like, yeah. Um, I was trying to think back to the first, I guess the the original or like the first out this trilogy to try mm-hmm. and think if it was any any like more serious, but yeah, it seems I, about in line with that. That one at least had like the comedy comedy ish character with that um, news reporter slash TV actor dude that was just constantly getting you into trouble. Yeah. So I, I think that one was a little bit funnier overall, but um, they're pretty totally similar. Yeah, that's about what I expected. I, I expected it not to be super far off from the first the, the Tomb Raider one that I played. I think it released released in twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it was very similar, and like I said, I liked it, so it didn't bother me that there wasn't a whole lot of changes. Um, yeah, I don't feel like you can't really do a whole lot when you're a realistic human and you know, you ha- you can only do so much, and you don't want to do anything where you're, where the character takes in a cutscene or something where you think, oh, they would die in that or something. The only thing that I thought was the coats that she had, mm-hmm. she would have been freezing. That's all I'm. Saying. Oh, <laughs> it is ah. kind of funny where like when you first get to that, um, you know, open frozen area, she's like holding her you know shivering you can see the full shake and you're just like man i can feel the cold on her and then she gets a no earmuffs (laughs) she gets a jacket and i'm like i don't think that's gonna save you out here like (laughs) well the jacket was for like 40 degree weather oh (laughs) man but um i guess moving on a little bit what did you guys think of some of the tools you unlocked in the second area? So you get I'm trying to think of all the stuff you get. You get the I don't even know what you call it, but you throw it in, like a grappling hook type of thing with your um prying wrench, whatever you want to call it, like the, get the axe thing or the pickaxe? Yeah, the pickaxe where you get to actually like throw it and use it like as a grappling hook and stuff. That that one was cool. I like that one. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, 
you could like jump and then like reach a ledge that you were not about to hit. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah. I like that one. The animation was, was cool for it. Um, there was also, and this is a little bit later, but like the arrows you could shoot into the wall and kind of use those to climb instead. That one I didn't like as much. I I like both of the, I like the kind of grapple hook thing and I like the shooting arrows. Hmm. Yeah. And by now you guys have gotten a decent amount of upgrades. Did you guys start using non-bow weapons or did you like, okay. So one thing I did want to mention was there are items just littered about the world, like bottles and gasoline tanks and stuff. And if you pick those up, you have the option, if you have the upgrade, you can turn like a bottle into a Molotov cocktail, or you can turn a gasoline canister into like an explosive gasoline canister. Did you guys use that stuff or? Yeah, I really? used that a lot. I didn't use it that I much. I kind of like I kind of like that that type of stuff. Like, there's also like a um, like a perk that you unlock where you can kind of set traps on uh, like dead enemies' bodies and stuff. Like, I like doing mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, I mean, like in general, like the way I try and play these games, anyways, like I like to do a little bit of everything. Like, I, I'll kind of favor stealth, but then like I don't mind like sometimes I'm like just getting a situation where like okay, well I just messed up. I'm just gonna shoot it out or you know. But yeah, I, I did uh, I did kind of appreciate picking up those things and uh, crafting items. Yeah, I definitely feel like this playthrough, I use those more than I remember using them in the um, my first playthrough of that game. So, they're definitely very useful assets if you use them. My, I, I mostly use Molotovs. I didn't do a lot of the other things. I kept running into the thing, and this is something that I always do in these types of games, is like once I clear out a room... I kind of like look back and see it all all the other ways I've could have cleared out the room and I'm like, "Oh, I could have done this way more optimally or there's literally a red barrel right here. How did I not see that at the moment?" <laughs> yeah, I was about to say there's also like a lot of environmental stuff that you can just use. So sometimes there's like chandeliers that have little flames in them. There's the red barrels that Marcus was talking about and you just shoot those and they explode. There's a couple things like that just just kind of add on to your options in combat. I so, kind of feel like they gave you a lot of, a lot more like smoke bombs and the things you can craft. I feel like they gave a lot more than they needed to. There were so many scattered out throughout the uh, areas after you would look back at it. What was there? Yeah, they just, they give you a ton of options as far as like how to approach any given fight. <clears throat> Especially when you like look back like Marcus was saying and just be like, oh, well, I could have thrown a smoke bomb here and probably just stealth like three people. Or, you know, I just throw the gasoline tank. Man, that gasoline tank saved me in one situation. The one where you're, um, it's kind of later in the game where you're underwater and then you have to go up through the the ice ice and, yep, and then there's all those people waiting for you with the laser dot sights and stuff. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. That one was cool. I like that fight. Yeah. But I got all of them close to one another, and I just had a really lucky gasoline tank throw, and I think I killed like five people in one shot. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, let's see. Let's before I go through the middle story points and just get to the end. What did you guys think about the set pieces? Because that's something we haven't talked about yet. So this type of game, and it's 
very similar to Uncharted, which one, Uncharted is inspired by Tomb Raider, and then two, Tomb Raider Reboot is also inspired by Uncharted in a lot of regards. But there are just sequences in the game where they're more or less linear and just really cool action sequences like you'd see in like a Fast and Furious movie or something like that. And they're kind of pivotal, like you're not really doing too much as far as like playing or player input per se, but they do add like a lot of flavor to the game if you're into them. What do you guys think about some of the set pieces um, that we've seen, I guess, to this point? I think my favorite or the standout one that I can think of just looking back at this game, the the one that I really liked was the uh, like the gulag, the, the not the prison itself, but the like the factory place. Mm-hmm. With that had all the um, posters to burn, and, and and that that one was really fun. Where you had to climb up this uh, kind of rickety wooden structure. That that do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. I think near the end, like there's a big fire and it starts burning, and you have to like escape, and you're fighting enemies through the fire and the flames and and everything. Um. um that's where you learn how to do like there's a big like kind of spool and you you learn how to do like the little Tarzan swing where you shoot the arrow. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like right before they is that right before or after they attack the village? I think it's uh it's before you get to geothermal, the geothermal place. Okay, gotcha. I think I think Jacob saves oh. you. Um at the, Is that like the your... one where you first meet Constantine and he kills the dude like right in the middle of the warehouse? Um, no, no, no. Okay. Um, and then, uh, another standout one, and this is more, um, because, uh, I had some difficulty with it was, um, later on in the game where Trinity and the other things are at, and, Mm -hmm. um, you have to do like that, um, that weight puzzle where you have to hook a explosive something to one end, then you have to f- flip it around and hook it to the other end and put it in the water because you're trying to knock down that statue. I know what you're talking about to get yeah. the pulley. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, the, and then the last, the very last one too, with the trebuchet. That that area, that entire area where you're using the, the trebuchet to kind of break through the um, the gates. Yeah, that one was my favorite too. I like that one, and they also had the maps to burn or the flags to burn too. Yeah, that that one was the one that it finally felt like. That one felt and it feels weird to say this, but it felt like an Assassin's Creed like open world because it felt like anything that you wanted to do, you could do, and that was something that I felt like I struggled with in this game, where it was like we have all these tools. But you can only use them when the game wants you to use them, and and that that open world se- section, it felt like you could. Some of the restrictions were taken away, and so you could do the things that you wanted to do. I I I know what you're saying. Yeah, you you could literally use all the tools, and you there was like to to go from one roof to another roof, or to get across buildings. Mm-hmm. There was oh, like at least two, or maybe even three ways to get over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I like the answers, but the set pieces I were talk I was talking about were a little bit different than that. Like, 
when I'm describing like a set piece, like when you were running away from that bear and the camera changes and like, you know, you're having to like dodge stuff or like there's one sequence where you're like running over a bridge and it starts collapsing. Oh, you mean like cutscenes? They're not cutscenes because you're playing them. Yeah, but they're cutscenes, but you just have to like you're the reaction. They're the react ones. You have to react oh, yeah. to it. Yeah, right? I yeah. guess I I can't really remember any because I remember some. I just don't. I, but those, yeah, like you, I, I don't remember those as well because they're kind of like I don't really like those in that game, like because they're just they're all kind of the same. You barely escape. I mean, that's what it is, though. You barely escaped in the nick of time. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Okay, my answer is I'm sure there was one where you were sliding down something and you had to jump at the last minute and yeah, hook onto something. Any any time there was actually, I take that back. In the very beginning of the game, the one where you had to shoot that swinging spike trap before it impaled you. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I wish there was more like there that happened like two or three times in this game. And I mm-hmm. wish there was more things like that where you're like, I wish there were more traps in the tombs so then I could do that more often. <laughs> <laughs> there's the one guy, I'm, I'm not going to go too far into the end, but there's the one guy you have to shoot off of you at the end. And he, I was like, man, yes. this guy is spongy. <laughs> yes. I kept missing. I was like, oh man, I'm going to reload and die. <laughs> Lucky for you and me, they make the gun in, um, infinite ammo, I think, right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, okay, cool, cool. I thought some of them were cool. I like the very, like, that mountain that you're climbing up at the very beginning is a set piece where, like, there's just sequences where yeah, yeah, you get yeah. close to the top and stuff is just breaking constantly. Like I said, it's very uncharted. And, you know, just wanted to make sure it got mentioned. Anyway, the middle of the game, just to get through these story beats really quickly, um, Jacob pretty much warns Laura about the Divine Source and course she ignores it jacob's daughter whose name is escaping me right now um, sophia sophia she teaches us about the deathless ones which are these immortal guardians of katesh katesh being the lost city that Laura's looking for which allegedly has the divine source in it laura ultimately finds a path to katesh um, which pretty much instigates trinity's assault on Jacob's village. Jonah at some point gets captured during that fight and <laughs> puts up a really good fight. He he takes out like four people unarmed and I'm pretty sure at least two of them had shotguns. But ultimately he gets shot trying to save Laura and he gets mortally wounded. But it turns out that Jacob can just heal mortal wounds because Jacob is the divine prophet. So, six man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we're sorry. Jonah is a divine prophet. I gotta keep Jonah and Jacob. Um, no, 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 no. Oh, God. Oh, you were right. So, wait, yeah, Trevor, I'm... you were saying Jacob was the six man or Jonah? Jonah. Jonah is the towel waver. Jacob is the six man. I know, but I, I'm just saying I like Jonah. That's what I'm saying. I, I get what you're saying. You're being you more logical. Dante, though. He, you just confused Dante. <laughs> oh, he was it's, messing it's up good. before. He was messing up before. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. So just just for perfect clarity, Jacob heals Jonah, who got mortally wounded while trying to essentially save Laura. And 
now that we know Jacob's the divine prophet, he kind of just gives us this backstory about like, oh, I've been alive for hundreds and hundreds of years, and at one point to protect the city of Katesh, I made this undead army, or I, he didn't mean to make the undead army like that, I guess, but he made all of his troops immortal, and in the process they kind of like lost their soul. So at this point, Laura kind of shifts her objective like from just wanting the divine source to wanting to destroy the divine source because it could lead to a lot of bad things especially if trinity got its hand on hands on it and that pretty much leads us to kind of near end game at this point um you go down to katesh and there's a sequence where you have to essentially use a lot of catapults to open some doors. How did you guys feel about this sequence? Were you guys still in it at this point? Were you, you know? Yeah, I liked it. <clears throat> I like that, um, that whole thing. You also have to start fighting some of the undead army, and they're kind of different in certain ways. They have armor. Which... Yeah, so the whole time I had been playing using this pistol with silencer and the bow, and then once I got there, I switched to the rifle and was because uh, I, like I said, I was just going for the headshots and trying to get those, mm. the combos up. And so the rifle was uh, one hitting all those people for me. Yeah, I had to change my strategy up quite a bit. Like I didn't use the shotgun too too much going into there, but they just whew. rifle headshots were not enough for those guys on survival or survivor mode. So. Shotgun got used quite a bit along with the bow, especially now that you have armor-piercing arrows. I, um... I actually, this part, I was like... At this part of the game, I was like, man, I need to hurry up and beat this game. I need to hurry up and beat this game. But I kept doing, <laughs> like, trying to, like, do everything. And, um... So I spent a lot of time in this section as well. Um, and I, I also like you. I, I started using the shotgun more on the the, the enemies, but then I discovered uh, like, oh yeah, just using the poison arrows and the explosive arrows, and like I could just yeah. use those and not have to switch weapons. Just you know. And then I I don't know why, but it took me like I was like three fourths of the way through the game till I realized that you could like craft things not at the fire. Oh wow. <laughs> You never ran out. Well, I guess you do have like a lot of arrows for the most part, except for like the the secondary ones, like the poison and. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was rocking like one of the unit. I think it was one of the um, outfits yeah. that allowed you to have more specialty arrows, anyways. Gotcha. So like I was I had more than what the max amount was. So like anytime I needed to get some more, I would just run back to the to the. Um, to the fire, and then it was like three fourths of the way through. I think I accidentally hit the wrong button. I was like, "Wait a minute, what is that?" <laughs> and I held the button down. I was like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> and then it was game over after that. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time I played this game. I was very thorough in that city, and this time I just kind of blazed through it and just. It's like, oh man, this probably took me like. 30 minutes before I even got through the first door the first time I played it, but this time I just kind of did all that in five minutes. Man, so. th there was there was one time, I think, like, 
early on when I was in, like within the first five hours of the game. I think I played the game for like two hours and I only made one percent or two percent of progress. Yeah, that happened wow. to me too. Yeah, <laughs> I was to literally all I was doing was just hunting and gathering <laughs> for two hours. Oh man. <laughs> Um. Yeah, it, it was it was a problem. So like that. That's what I kept getting into the hassle of doing was like you know I only have an hour or two hours at most to play today, and then I end up spending the entire time just in the open world and not doing any of the actual story stuff. Immersive games do that, man. That's how they get you. That is how they get you. Yeah. So, um, I guess moving on to kind of like the end sequence. One of the last things you do, you get to Katesh, you have to climb this tower, and this is probably one of the bigger set pieces in the game. You're just climbing to the top, and it's like a probably three or four minute sequence just trying to get to the top of that place. Eventually, you have to shoot a guy off of you, but you get to the top, and you have to fight a helicopter. So, what do you guys think about this helicopter fight? This is like one of the few boss fights you have in this game. I don't know. It just gave me like super like heavy. I mean, I guess there's a lot of uncharted vibes to this game, but that one just really was like, yeah, this, this is really reminding me of something from that. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Um, I mean, I, I, you can, I can't really expect like something crazy with like a game that I feel like is realistic. You know, it's in, it's in a now time period. Um, and, Fighting a helicopter is about as the craziest you can get for a boss fight in the, to me in this type of game. Besides maybe fighting some magic creature or whatever, like those those you, one creatures. You'd be surprised. The original reboot had some, or the original game in the reboot trilogy had some kind of weird stuff near the end. And they do introduce weird stuff here. It's just it doesn't end up being the final boss. <laughs> um, and it's kind of interesting how they do it. It's very much a video game rule of three type of fight where (laughs) you're there and you're like well how am i actually gonna hurt this thing and then uh, what was her name marcus sophia sophia sophia's like hey we got these pulleys going if you want we can shoot this giant flaming red ball right over this helicopter but we need a second to reload (laughs) So we're like, okay, we're cool. And then Laura gets on her walkie-talkie, and she's like, hey, do it now. So they shoot the catapult thing. Giant flaming ball comes over the helicopter. You shoot the flaming ball. Fire rains on the helicopter. You do it three times. After every hit, pretty much, there's a little phase where you have to fight kind of just mobs of enemies. And I thought it was kind of interesting how... You're fighting Trinity, but they're also kind of having to fight some of the Deathless ones, so it makes it a little bit easier in some regards. Like, you have to make sure all of them are dead before you can, you know, advance to the next phase, but you can have your enemy, both of your enemy factions kind of fight one another a little bit. But, ultimately, you take down the helicopter, and in the wreckage... You find Constantine, who is kind of like the leader of Trinity, or at least that little section of Trinity. And he's talking to you, and he's like, yo, you're nothing. I hope your dad was thinking about you when he died. Turns out (laughs) you didn't even... (laughs) Pretty much, that's what he says. And um, 
He's like, hey, you you know, you think you he killed himself. That's not the case. We assassinated him and just made it look like it. You're nothing. And then there's just like a giant prompt to murder this man or you can do the thing of just walking away. So what what did everybody go with? I shot him immediately. <laughs> yeah, same. Wait, you could shoot him? I, you had access to the gun. I didn't try it because there was the oh, button I walked problem, up and hit X to kill him. I walked or, away. You know. Huh? I walked away. So uh, <laughs> Pretty much everybody did something a little different, it sounds like. Yeah, I didn't know you could shoot him. Honestly, that, that fight at first, I, like as soon as you started in front of him, I just ran up on him and I kept swinging the pickaxe at him. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I hit him like 10 times and nothing happened. So I was like, I, clearly I'm not doing the right thing. So then I like... Like, I was, I, I was just smashing buttons. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I did forget about that. So, after the helicopter crashes into the building, you fall down, and you have to do a boss fight with this guy. And, like Marcus was saying, it is very much a structured fight where you find craftables around the environment. There might be other ways to do it. you don't have any of your gear. You lost yeah. your weapons. He jacked all of your gear in, like, one grab. Like... It is like the biggest swoop ever. He's like, I got your bow, I got your shotgun, I got your assault rifle. What you gonna do now? And it's like, well, I'm gonna craft. So you throw stuff at him, or at least that's how I handled it. And once he's stunned by the stuff you throw at him, you go up and pretty much shank him with whatever you have on you. Anybody take a different approach than that to that fight? Is there a different approach? No, that's basically it. You're kind of playing like the, is it the cat and mouse where he's kind of chasing you and you're hiding behind cover and crafting things and throwing at him to weaken him, hitting him, and then running away. This literal exact fight happens in The Last of Us 1. <laughs> like, um, Greg, do you remember the fight where you're Ellie in Last of Us 1? Uh, kind of in the snow area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is pretty much like a one-to-one with this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, but anyway, you kill him, or the building kills him, regardless of your choice. And you go to the, I guess, room with the divine source, the center of the, you know, Katesh. And Anna has it. You're like, Anna, put it down. She's like, nah, I'm going to die if I don't do this because I'm terminally ill. And pretty much, you see a bunch of the undead ones kind of approach her, as well as Jacob. And she ends up shooting Jacob mortally, but it doesn't really matter because he's a divine prophet, right? Well, turns out if you break the um, immortal crystal, whatever you want to call it, it will end pretty much everybody that has been influenced by it. So you end up breaking the um, immortal MacGuffin, whatever you want to call it. It ends up killing Jacob killing all of the undead soldiers and pretty much costing Anna any choice, any chance she had at immortality at that point. And really, the only thing that happens after that is a scene where both Anna and Laura are just kind of walking away from there, looking very, very cold. And I guess they kind of have a heart-to-heart moment, so to speak, where she's like... Laura's like, you killed my dad, didn't you? And she's like, no, I actually did legitimately kind of love him. 
But what actually happened was, boom, and she gets shot by a sniper. And Laura takes cover. The camera pans out, and the guy behind the rifle, he's talking to somebody, and it's like, hey, um, what about this Laura girl? I could end it right now. And then another voice happened, like comes on the screen, and it's like, nah, don't do it. And that's pretty much the end of the game at that point. What do you guys think of that like last little bit, so to speak? Done weird. Very movie-esque. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very dun dun dun. Yeah. You know. I, I and I didn't I didn't play the I think you had mentioned it earlier, I didn't play the first game, but I, I assumed Trinity was like or at least uh the Trinity main was more alluded to in the for like at the very very end of the first game like the secret endings like oh there's something bigger and it's this organization called trinity actually you so. know what it made me think of was the the, the cutscenes in between levels and hitman mm. like where it's just like okay you think that this organization is pulling the strings but now there's a unknown entity or uh unknown person that you have to figure out more about (laughs) like that's kind of how it felt um it was very like also too it was just like what do you do with croft let her go and it was just kind of like you already know she's gonna come and hunt you down in the third game dude it was like you had the perfect opportunity like why did you spend all this game trying to kill this woman and then you have literally the perfect thing she is literally just like a freaking one of those duck targets at the say, carnival. Uh, something just, in the slaughterhouse. Yeah, <laughs> just like shooting fish in a barrel because she, like, like they, they could have taken out, taken off Croft first. Because one between her and Anna, Anna's already terminally ill. You don't really have to worry about Anna that much. And it's like, no, nah, I'm gonna snipe this and person first. Wasn't she first. already injured too? Oh yeah, she was super injured. Just so, <laughs> yeah, choice choices were made to. Um, for plot to let Laura live right there is, yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta let her live. But I, I did think it was a little silly. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, why, why did you even put the scene in the game? You could have yeah, thought of yeah, like it, a thousand different it, ways. Because wasn't it after like a little bit after the credits too? Yep. So it was like Marvel movie esque, where it's like you know we're gonna show you a little bit of the cre- the credits, and then we're gonna show you a little bonus scene. And then you're going to just be going crazy about it. And I can't wait for the next game. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that pretty much brings us to the end. There's a couple of things I did want to get your thoughts on. What do you guys think about the story overall? Were you into it? Were you not feeling it? Did it, was it serviceable enough to get you through? Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I didn't care a single bit about the story for real. I, I kind of got a little, little lost with it. I was just more focused on the gameplay. And then I did I did low, like kind of know a little bit of it, but for the most part, after I was done with the game, I had to look up everything to like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, this is where this happened. And yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's like, it's enough that, you know, like I wasn't super invested in it, but it wasn't. It wasn't heavy enough for me to like get really into, but it didn't bog down the game either. So I, I didn't feel like I was like, oh, I'm just waiting on this to be over with. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat. It's 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 a movie story. Like it is definitely like a B movie type of thing. Yeah, it's just very basic, generic. Um, I I just like my brother. I was 
lost. I commented, I think, to anybody that I could, like, I don't really know what's going on at all. <laughs> like, hmm. it, just after a while, I just lost the, the, what is it, the thread of the story. Mm-hmm. But I also, like, didn't really care to, like, figure out what was going on because it was just, like, it, not really it, interesting. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, the overplot of everything is Loris is trying to get to this Katesh to find this um, divine whatever. Did you did you guys um, read that article that I had posted in our little group? I had saw a forum post about it. Yeah. Um, so basically, I had posted, there's this article, um, it came out, I want to say, about a couple of weeks ago. One of the writers for um, this game, she came out on Twitter and basically said that she didn't like the plot of this game. Um, but she was just kind of, the the higher ups just told her, just do it. Uh, so she said, um, uh... It was more like they focused on the dad stuff and yeah, yeah. So she she said that um, uh, as a reveal, she wasn't a fan of the game's plot, was but was forced to craft a story around it from the higher ups at Crystal Dynamics. She made this re- revelation in a response to a tweet from comic book writer who complained that far too many Tomb Raider stories focus on Laura Lara Croft's dad rather than the protagonist herself. And so these are two women kind of con- commenting on how. We have this game that is, you know, female-driven, you know, like a female protagonist, but the the crux or, like, the main arc of the story kind of focuses on, like, how important the dad is. And it says, revealed that the dad plotline in Rise of the Tomb Raider was dictated to her from far above. And, yeah, it just... And that was a, a complaint that I saw a lot of people have when it came to the story, was that they didn't see what was the... She seems like an interesting character or could be more fleshed out character, but they kind of always anchor her to her dad. And like this this tweet says, uh, here's some free advice for anyone working on Tomb Raider stories, speaking not as a writer, but as a fan. And this is all caps. Stop making every story about her dad. No one cares about her dad. There's never been an interesting story where her dad is the focus. Thank you. <laughs> Like, I kind of see where she's coming from, but at the same time, it's like, parental issues are just, like, a common trope. And I didn't really feel like it focused on him too much. Like, it sets off the, you know, like, why she is going there. It sets off why she's going there, yeah. Yeah, it sets off... But I don't feel like... And they also kind of, like... You get the impression that he was, like, not... I don't want to say not competent, but, like... The world does not think highly of Mr. Croft. And then you also realize, like, a lot of Lore's issues stem from this dude in a lot of different ways. I, I So, I guess my take on it, um, and, and one of the things that I didn't, like, she was basically trying to uh, revitalize or, like, restore his legacy. It kind of seemed like he had, like, this wild idea about Katesh being a real place and he became obsessed with it mm-hmm. and um he was not nobody believed him that this was a real place and even though his research showed that it was and it became an obsession for him and then he got murdered over I guess the discovery or trying to discover it in the midst of discovering it and so she was like 
I don't care for his honor. Yeah, I don't care what anybody. So like, he was the driving force. But then on top of that too, like, it seemed like every time I went to, uh, every time I went to a campsite for the first time, it was Laura either talking about herself or hearing like an audio log of her dad. The entire game. I mean, that's what she does, though. Like, I, I know, but like, I, I think like that's another thing where it, like it'd be one thing if it's like I'm trying to restore my dad's honor, but then it's like it, it'd be more interesting if every time you went to it. I think this is what these women are saying is like it would be more interesting if every time it, they gave the agency to to Laura to like this is how she feels about this versus having to hear from her dad. But that's me maybe projecting or whatever. And no, no, obviously... I get what you're saying. I just, no, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I didn't feel like there was too many of, like, near the back half of the game, there's definitely more of, um, I guess, his audio logs or whatever you want to call call them. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can see that. What Speaking yeah, I mean... of audio logs, it was something I've completely forgot to mention. So, across the world, there are a lot of just, collectibles that you can just pick up that are like literally items of sorts like oh here's an ancient i don't know necklace and you get a little insight into that as well as a bunch of like just really weird in my opinion audio logs just scattered about the world how do you guys feel about the collectible situation in this game um i I mean i like i always like collectibles it's just like another thing to look for while you're just exploring um but it was just like collectible to me like i i didn't i just skipped everything i just grabbed it and was like okay cool i'm trying to get you know as much completion as i can get before i beat the game (laughs) and but yeah i didn't i didn't ever really listen to it or pay attention to any of the stuff i was picking up was to be honest same like i i just (laughs) immediately paused everything uh didn't listen to it um, and just move forward. Oh, wow. I, I listened to everything that I picked up. A lot of it was pretty decent. Like, if you were following, like, the, I guess, story, they were adding kind of, like, I wouldn't even say, like, really great nuggets of truth or whatever, but it was it was peppering it in there. My bigger issue was, like, I have a thing against audio logs, like, I thought Bioshock, the original Bioshock, which kind of popularized them, they did okay, but then just having random people leave these little voice recorders halfway up a mountain just doesn't make sense, and that bothers me. So, I don't know. It's just one of those pet peeves of mine. I wish they found another way of, like, building out the story without... Resorting you can do to the, uh, the Left for Dead way, and you're just like you know, just random graffiti. <laughs> I mean, that's something like environmental storytelling. Yeah, a thing. So I also did not mean to cut you off from your point, Marcus. It was just something that you reminded me that I wanted to get. Oh no, to. no, no! Like I, I think okay. I mostly said what I had to say. Like um, I'm I'm not a woman, and um, so I don't necessarily see things from the vantage point that they're coming from but i could understand like where they're coming from where it's like Hmm. damn we have a game that one of the few games that does is female driven and it's still you know move forward the stories move forward because of a guy 
Because it's like, it's like, I think it's, it's a thing that people say in movies. I, I, I can't remember the, um, the, the, the phrase, but it's like every woman driven movie has to have a male, like a love interest. Otherwise, like people won't watch the movie or something like that. Like that's the only way that a, a movie, like that's the only way that a guy will watch a woman driven movie is if there's a love interest or something like that. It's something weird. I can't remember what the thing is, but, uh. I can kind of see it, this being very similar in a um, uh, video game context where, you know, they're saying, like, this character, like, and again, I'm only coming from having played this one game, but I, I can imagine if, you know, this is number nine in the Tomb Raider series and the seven seven of the nine previous games or seven of the eight previous games featured her dad, because it does seem like this lady has played a lot of their previous games and she's just... Tired of keep on hearing about this dude. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see what else was on my list. What did you guys think about the, I guess, visuals and, I guess, just world of this game? Any Anything prolific? I was kind of amazed how good this game looks for a 2015 game. Mm-hmm. and the lighting yeah. is just, I don't know. This is some of the best lighting I've seen in a game, and it was just like, even though this game came out literally six-plus years ago, I was using the screenshot function constantly, which is something I normally don't do very much, but I think they did a really good job of just like making everything look really good. <laughs> yeah, still hey, I thought it looked good. Yeah, I mean, cutscene. I, I don't know. We just played like two games back to back, where like the cutscenes like <laughs> were, <laughs> like the, the stuff looked very, very striking. Um, I, I did appreciate the uh, the 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 biodiversity, you know, because when we started the game, and even the cover of this game is kind of like a snowy environment, and so I was thinking that that was going to be the majority of the game, and so when we got to that geothermal valley and even some of the tombs too. Like I was like, okay, cool. There is some diversity in, in, in some of the, the, the biomes. <laughs> and, um, the, the one thing that I know, like, I think I was listening to a podcast a while ago and they called it out. And so like, when I saw it, I immediately recognized it. And like, I was tired of her doing it by the end, but every time she got out of a body of water, she dried out her ponytail. That's an uncharted thing. Okay, I, I was just it's, like, I get it's you know, I get it's a thing, you know, because you don't want to have your hair like damp. Well, it's not even like a ponytail thing, but just like a drying animation after you get out of water. Yeah, and it just was like, I mean, I, I, I guess it's realistic too. I'm not, you know, like I, I think the thing I had heard is, you know, like that's something you got to do. I've never had a hair like that, but it's, it just was like, okay, like I, I got to the point where I was like wearing. Uh, costumes that didn't have it because I was just tired of seeing that animation because it was always the same animation. <laughs> Let's see. Um, so, um, any thoughts on revisiting previous entries in the series or continuing the series as far as like going to Shadow or any potential future games? Are you guys invested from this game at all? one way or the other. Um, so I guess I had played the the last one and I had already beat this, but uh, I made it like maybe 
five or six hours into Shadow, and I just stopped for whatever reason. I, I liked it. I just, I don't know. I think I just bounced off it. So, um, I'll probably eventually go to that just to finish this thing out. Um, if they ever go free again, I'll download it. <laughs> Dang, you ain't gonna spend no money on it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I bought this one. Um, but but I'm just saying, like, there's. It's just not one of the ones that I would prioritize over other games gotcha. like to spend money on. I um I don't know, like I, I don't I didn't dislike this game. I, I there was things that I did enjoy, but I I'm just like I don't know if I would like go out of my way to to play out the rest of the series, which is like very for it's a foreign feeling for me. Because I did get a lot of enjoyment out of like doing the open world stuff and doing the the tombs, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think the story sucked me in enough for me to want to see it out, see it through. So not even the puzzles or whatever was enough of a draw, like the general gameplay loop, so to speak. I mean, so when you said that Shadow was more puzzle-focused, I kind of perked up, but, like, I enjoyed, like, this game checked a lot of boxes as far as things that I like, but I felt like at times I was just going through the motions, and maybe some of it had, some of it probably had to do with the difficulty that I was playing on, but, like, I didn't really feel like the upgrade system really did like made me feel more powerful. Like I, I just felt like I was already strong and it was just like a little like extra sprinkles on top, but I don't really feel like there was like a noticeable difference. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And that was a little disappointing for me. Cause like I, I, I love, I love an upgrade system like that. And it didn't really, I, I was just like my brother and kind of spec myself out to level up quickly. And maybe that was the, the cause, but I felt like as I was understanding and playing the understanding the combat system more, that's what made it more easily and not more easy and not me being leveled up, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. So like combat really was like it was enjoyable, but I didn't like it wasn't trying or difficult. And it wasn't necessarily a highlight for me in the way that the open world kind of collecting thing, crafting stuff, and the the puzzles were. And the story really was not there for me. And I don't necessarily... You you asked the question earlier about how do we feel about um, the characters. And there was no character in this game for me that I felt like I really was invested or cared about. Okay. Um, for myself, I mean, I've already played all of the reboot trilogy. I've also played Anniversary. I've had thoughts of potentially going back and maybe playing um, some of the other previous games, but I'm not really sure. But um, I really do like Crystal Dynamic in general as a developer. So if they were to continue making Tomb Raider games, which I think is kind of up in the air, if they're going to be the ones to do it or... Square gives it to somebody else, potentially. Um, I would continue following them. Either way, I'm pretty excited for the future of the franchise. As soon as there is going to be a announced. future beyond the trilogy, right? I w- 
could only assume so. It's in business's best interest to keep franchises going. Is the assumption like she'll be more, uh, like maybe further on down the line? Because because you you said like in the earlier series Uh, she was um, the Tomb Raider at that point, and do you think maybe we'll see an older Lara Croft? I wouldn't be surprised if they rebooted it again. I'm honestly not sure what approach they'll take. But they could very, you know, if it's Crystal Dynamics, they could very much well continue off of where Shadow ends, potentially. So, Gotcha, gotcha. You know. I think they... <clears throat> I, th- I think they can uh, reboot, and especially with, like, all the next-gen stuff, and... I th- I'm, People are always going to play the game. It's. I mean, they got to put game. out the the remaster version in the first. <laughs> well, I mean, they. I don't know if they did that for this one, but the previous one, that they actually kind of did. Yeah, remastered the reboot like 2013. Gotcha. Did you? Did you? Uh, we never. You never asked this, but did any of you guys play the DLC for this game? Uh, I only did. What is it, Baba Yaga? Yeah, that was, yeah. That was the only one that did. Same, and I accidentally like fell into it. I didn't realize that it was DLC. <laughs> did you I guys do the any. Baba Yaga stuff? Nah, Mm-mm. not this time. Apparently, since I got the 20th anniversary edition, I unlocked a lot of stuff early on. So I was kind of put into a pickle, which is something I hate that a lot of games do. If you get like special editions where they just like. Hey, here's all this game-breaking stuff. We're just going to give it to you, and we don't even have the option for you to check a box and say no. Don't give that to me. Yeah, so, like because I, I mean, I'm playing the same version you did. I mm. was thinking like, God dang, I got all these costumes already. Like, so when I asked my brother because I knew he wasn't playing on that version, I was like, How many costumes do you have? Because I have 16 from the jump, and that just seems like an obscene amount of costumes to have in the very beginning of a game. And he's like, yeah, I got 16. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I guess um, that's, you know, that's not DLC, I guess. Yeah, and since I didn't know when organically those costumes would unlock regularly, I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to be using the default one, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think think one of the DLCs, I think there was um, the Baba Yaga in-game, and I think there was a DLC that was like, you're back at the Croft Manor, or whatever it's called, and you're fighting invaders or in, in people that are breaking in or, 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 or something like that. So I don't think any of them, I think there was only one that was like story, like in, in main story related. I, I think. Cool. So, um, anything before I go to closing thoughts? All right. So Trevor, great game, great experience. Uh yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Uh, great game. Um, no, 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 no. Slightly better than average game. <laughs> nah, better than average game. Not slightly. Better than average game and a uh, good experience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Greg. Uh, I'm gonna say good game, good experience. Okay, Marcus. Yeah, I'm with Greg. I'm gonna say good game, good experience. Well, be, you know, like I don't know. I say good game, and uh, I just don't like the story. So. Unclear experience. Gameplay good. <laughs> gameplay really, really good. I like. I like the gameplay. Yeah, like can, can just, we just don't I, care for the story? I think. I think we need to. We need to talk a little bit more about this game. 
Okay. But what about you, Dante? I was going to say, um, so my first time would have been great game, good, um, great experience. This time, I'd say great game, very good experience. Mm-hmm. So, what do you want to talk about? So, I, I just, I'm just curious, because like, I just re- like I want to know how people feel about the game, and I don't want to infer. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I know for me, uh, I, I enjoyed the open world quite a bit. I enjoyed the, the puzzles. And those were, like, the two standout things for me. I, I mean, obviously, the graphics look good. Um, the music for me in this game was kind of, like, non-existent. Um, I didn't really notice it. Um, I really liked the environment in the game. But then it was the combat where I just felt like it was very trivial. And um, again, that could have been because of the difficulty. And then it's just the story really, really turned me off. Which is really weird for me. Because usually, for me, gameplay trumps story. And I know, I got the feeling that everybody was like... Like, my brother was like, I don't know if I'm going to continue this franchise. And um, I'm I'm in that boat as well. And I'm like, is it because the story was just so ho-hum to me? Because I'm just trying to figure out, like, why do I feel the way I feel about this game? Despite having played it for 25 hours. Yeah, I was about to say, like, the way you guys have talked about it made it sound like I was at least going to get a couple more greats in there than I actually got. So Yeah, yeah. And so, like, that's I, I just kind of feel, like, ho-hum about this game, even though I did enjoy playing it. And I'm just trying to figure out why I feel this way. So I, I would like to know what you liked about the game, Greg, and then what you disliked about the game for you to say good game, good experience. Uh, for me, it's mostly the gameplay itself I enjoy. Um but I think the fact that I wasn't completely invested in the story and a lot of it I wasn't really trying to interact with that I think that I couldn't say it's, like, great for me. Like, the gameplay itself is, like, really good, but, you know, like, the story is kind of, like, and eh, so it's, like, I, I don't want to give it, like, a great based off that. Mm-hmm. What about you, Trevor? Yeah, so, like, I usually don't, care for I'm not like heavily invested into stories for most games I, I like to just like play you know but like when I do when I know I'm going to be doing one of these I, I do make sure I take the extra time to watch all the cutscenes and and try to pay attention to the story but it's just like even with all that I wasn't super interested into the story and it still was kind of hard to follow along and I was just like okay I kind of just want to play <laughs> and I, I I feel like part of that also is just because I really did enjoy the game, the the fighting, um, and all the different the puzzles and everything. So that's that's why I gave it a higher rating, even though I didn't like the story. It's just I, I care. I in general I care more about the gameplay anyway. So, in the three, you guys all played the first one in the trilogy, right? Yeah, yeah. Is so, it like? I guess the question I have as someone that didn't play it. Did the first game do a better job of like investing or like making you interested in the story that this game as the 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 I don't want to say dark middle chapter but like usually it seems like the second game in a trilogy kind of isn't as the story is kind of just in progress it's it's not is is that what's going on with this game I think I oh, go ahead 
I was just gonna say I don't. It was it was a bit ago. It's been over two years since I played the uh, the first one, and I I don't so I don't really remember the exact story and everything. But I what I do remember about my experience with it is that I left thinking like, man, I I like this is way I was surprised at how good this was, and I would consider getting you know the other ones in the future, and that's why I was excited to get it to get um this one for the for this uh podcast and so but like now i'm kind of like after playing it i don't I, I i don't feel like i need to get the third one i'm just I've, I've, i feel like I've, I've got the itch does it feel like it's just been more of the same or does it feel like the it's definitely more of the same um with a little like as uh, to, like but but it's, it's more of the same but it's not stale to me because i like the gameplay but it, i could I, it definitely would be stale to people that don't really care for it okay because it's very similar gameplay in my eyes, yeah. and the, and the, all the and all the tools that you get to. Too. There's probably some tools that are different. I don't remember exa- every exact tool, but it's it's very it, even the tools you're using is pretty much the same. And you have you're climbing with the pickaxe the same way in both games, and and that's your main thing, your main weapon. I don't remember the bow, but there, I, I, I don't know. You guys might remember if there was a bow. I, I don't oh, really remember. Oh yeah, bow, bow is right super now. important in the yeah. first game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But um, um, but I I, I liked it so. Quick aside, um, Trevor did ask in the chat, did anybody who played the first game play the multiplayer mode? No, I didn't. If I did, it had to have been like like literally one or two matches. I, I can't remember anything about it. Yeah, I think for whatever reason, I I feel like I did play a map, but it might have been against bots or something like that, and I really couldn't comment on it. So, well, there's your answer, Trevor. I do, and while while he's here, I do think this is a Trevor ass Trevor game. I don't know why. I I, I I do think you would really enjoy this game. Greg, you were going to say something um, about the first game, too. Yeah, I think maybe I was just more invested in the like kind of like origin story slash coming to age type thing. I guess maybe, and this this didn't interest me as much, um, and. Maybe I didn't find like because the only thing I I don't really like about Laura and this is how kind of stubborn she is about everything, um, so I don't I don't know I don't remember again it could just be because I've been so far removed from the first uh, she, she's pretty trilogy she's pretty stubborn in the first so okay. I put this on my list well one I've been trying to get a Tomb Raider reboot game on the list for a while but I put this on the list. And played through the original in December. And it's kind of interesting going through this entire process because this was my favorite of the trilogy in my mind. But now I'm a little bit like neutral between it and the first game. Like I like them both. And um, the first one definitely had more going on in the story. Like it's one an origin story. Two, there's just a lot more characters that you're interacting with because, like, you're essentially on an adventure with this TV... Well, it's a TV guy and a bunch of, like, your friends, and you get shipwrecked, and you're trying to uncover the mysteries of this island, and Laura has to undergo, like, killing something. She has to undergo loss. She has to undergo all this other stuff. And her character arc is a lot more dynamic in that game versus this one. So, story-wise, I do think the first one is better. And 
it's kind of weird, but when I played through this game the second time, I was kind of surprised by... Um, I think I might enjoy the combat more in the first game. I feel like the guns were a little bit tighter. I could be completely wrong about that, but it might have even been a difficulty thing where like the assault rifle just didn't feel good to me here. Whereas in the first game, like all the weapons felt really good. Mm-hmm. So, but overall, like visuals, this one has more diversity. I like the puzzles in this one more. Um, the open world areas are nice as well. So, like I, I one of the things you know, like I like to read the the negative <laughs> Metacritic reviews and, and bring them, but like even these were kind of like ho hum because a lot of them were. Like, just saying, like, this game isn't as, like, it's... Well, people get salty because this isn't, like, Reboot Trilogy is completely different than the OG game, so... Well, I I was saying, in in comparison to 2013, a lot of people were saying, like, this isn't as... Like, it's it's more, like, either it's more of the same from 2013, or um, really disappointed with the successor. They really liked the first game, uh, the 2013 uh, game, and... This one um, didn't uh, it didn't live up to the 2013 one or whatever. This is what the person said. Sally, the sequel to 2013's Tomb Raider is only a subpar Tomb Raider title. Somehow they managed to neglect every aspect that made its predecessor once so good. The core gameplay elements like climbing, gunfights, and sneaking are so dumbed down that they already get boring while only a few hours in-game. Um, uh yeah, uh, I, I saw one thing which we, none of us commented on, or, or but it was a thing that I, I didn't know it bothered me. And then when I saw somebody call it out, I was like, yeah, that, that was kind of silly. But um, how your uh, Lara automatically ducked down when there was you were in a combat scenario, even if you didn't see any bad guys. And like how that was like the signal that it, it like, oh, yeah, there's enemies around or like like you're in a, in a combat scenario and it kind of like remove some of the tension of like like being found because you were automatically at an advantage yeah i mean it's either that or have a dedicated <clears throat> button to crouch and not crouch so they just yeah, decide they the auto cover. but it's just like when you're walking into yeah it says the uh for example laura goes stealth automatically so you know well ahead the enemy is nearby and it's like yeah like i, I it would have been i would have been interested to see like yeah, maybe I would have died or whatever, but like, oh, I turned a corner and there was a bad guy there, and I, you know, I don't know. I just, I, 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 I get what you're saying, but I feel like the like everybody in this game is so. So this is another criticism that often happens with these games. People do not like. Some people do not like when characters monologue, or just like talk, talk out in the themselves. open. Yeah, and the bad guys are very much like. I feel like I always heard them, well before I could even see them. Yeah, like usually for me, I don't, I didn't think I ever noticed a bad guy talking to themselves. It was usually a bad guys having a conversation, which those are my favorite things to interrupt. It's like when two bad guys are talking to each other, and then I can get a headshot on somebody, and the other guy just freaks out. That's give me that in every video game ever, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I got a little bit more of what I was looking for just out of this conversation because it kind of felt like we were. Like, <laughs> watching a tennis match or something, you know, where we're doing golf claps and just being very, very respectful and everything. And I was just like, I don't really know how anybody, like, actually feels. And I know, I think I feel this way for these reasons, but being able to talk it out has, like, 
help me kind of see where everybody's at on it. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, any other um, thoughts before we close up? All right, Marcus, I'm going to hand it to you at this point. Okay. Um, <clears throat> where can people find you at, Trevor? Find me at, uh, you know, uh, I guess Twitter, at uh, at Trev Bino. Do you uh you, you stream anything? I don't I don't know if you stream a lot. Uh no, I mean if I do it'll be on it's the same, but I haven't streamed in a while. Um, maybe I'll stream some Elden Ring. Gotcha. Um, where can people find you at, Greg? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Boombox Hero. Uh, you can find me on Twitch at Twitch.tv/slash/MagNegro with a zero on the end instead of O. Uh, I haven't been streaming anything lately because uh, life's been pretty crazy, but uh, I'll get around to it sooner or later. Gotcha. Anything lined up that you would, what would get you back into the streaming realm? Uh, finally finish off uh, Yakuza 0 because I haven't done that yet, but I've still been chipping away at it a little, little bit by a little bit. But um, How are we feeling about that um, Street Fighter 6? How you? I don't know. It was... Uh, <laughs> a lot of discourse going on about that, but uh, I don't know. I'm kind of like once they show gameplay. actual gameplay, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll care then. But I mean, it's cool that you know they're going to use RE Engine. I'm assuming for this, so it'll be interesting to see how some of the the old cast kind of looks and updated like that. So, have they made any announcement or like, okay, we're going to show gameplay? Tokyo Game Show or any anything upcoming or more coming summer? Is that right? Yeah, I think that's what they just said. Somewhere. Evo that more than likely it. is the assumption. Yeah, there. that would probably be the yeah, kind of in line with that. Yeah. Okay, man, <laughs> I like seeing when people complain about something that is like not even worth complaining. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, I, too, I I think I was talking to you about it. Where it's just like I can't wait to see people complaining about stuff that doesn't like. Who cares what the logo looks like, guys? <laughs> That's the thing that gets me the most. I'm like, why are people... Like, everybody's talking about that logo, and I get that it's, like, generic and stuff, but it's like, how often do you look at a logo? The Yeah, the logo has nothing... I mean, it it has nothing to do with how the game is actually going to play and feel, so... And people are like, Street Fighter is doomed. They're taking the identity of Street Fighter. <laughs> you can see... If there's one thing that... If you've been in the community long enough, you know, oh, yeah. fighting game players complain about anything, anything. I, I think uh, what you mean is gamers, but oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. As long as the game doesn't come out like uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, y'all be all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like that that game was doomed from the start. Like once they like when people saw the graphics, they were like, "I oh, know I'm out." So <laughs> as long as the game looks good, people will put up with it. Um, what about you, Dante? Where can people find you at? People can find me at twitch.tv slash Cloud. If you were following me up to now, you might have seen me play through the entirety of this game on stream. And let's see, we've got Dark Souls 3 going right now. I think I'm going to start this game called Death's Door. It's an indie game. And I'm also playing Life is Strange on Sundays, True Colors. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Kicking me out. Yeah, every Sunday. Three thirty um, to about six. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
You can find me on Twitter at Potato Salad. Um, if you'd like to tune in to Miss Checkpoints to find out about hidden gems, cult classic, and indie games, and share us with your friends, family, and not shitty subreddit communities you're in, comment on our Facebook page, add us on Twitter, leave us a review, preferably five stars, and have a podcast so we can appear higher in the leisure category. Um, like I said, we're, you know, running, running this game a little late. Hopefully we can get back on track this month, though, because this month is March, and it's my game, Metroid Prime. Um, I believe Dante said he's already started it, and uh, Greg uh, has it. I think I'm the only one that has not started the game, and I, I don't even actually have the game yet. It's in, it's in route. Um, but, uh, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Um, do you guys have anything else? I'm good. All right. Thanks Thanks for coming aboard, Trevor. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me, as always. Yeah. Thanks you had to for, replace um, one Trevor with the other Trevor. Rising up to the occasion. Of course, you know, I always, I'm always here for the boys. I like trying new games with you guys and talking it out. Well, we might be, we might be in touch, you know, might be in touch. Um, but yeah, uh, our, our people will call your people. Yeah, our people will call your people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm okay with this. <laughs> uh, well, with that, we are Miss Checkpoints and we're out. Peace. Peace.